You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Brady Quinn, uh, Fox Sports College football NFL studio and game analyst, and uh, he is uh, one of the co-hosts, two pros and a cup of joe, the show that precedes ours with LeVar Arrington and Jonas Knox. You can catch them on Fox Sports Radio weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, leading right into our program. Brady joins us now from Los Angeles. He'll be in the Fox studios, not on the road this week. Brady, good morning. How's morale? Uh, morale is fantastic, although I'm a little frustrated. You know, that check swing last night, oh, I think it stop. cost the uh, Giants the series. <laughs> yeah, you with your uh, legendary baseball career, I'm sure that you knew the rule, the check swing, right? Hey, we did win a state championship in Division One. there at Dublin Coffin my sophomore year. Uh, but, no, it, it was a bad call. Uh, I think there's some Dodgers fans who feel like, this happened early in the season to them, I believe, in this uh, in this series. So they feel like it's a little bit of payback. Uh, but, you know, if I always feel like if you're going to chalk it up to one thing, you're kind of missing the point. You obviously had other opportunities throughout the course of the game. Yeah, the Giants got shut down offensively the entire series, and that should be the bigger picture. They scored 10 runs in five games. And, right. you know, the Dodgers did what they needed to do, uh, just enough to, uh, to squeeze this out. Did you watch uh, Tom Brady in the uh, Buccaneers last night? Of course. Yeah, I mean, you have a chance to watch greatness every time he steps on the field. Uh, of course I was watching. Okay, but it looked like they did every. They should have won that game by 28 points, something like that. Yeah. You allow the Eagles to kind of sneak back in. Um, any concerns there? Well, you've got concerns about more. I think maybe they got conservative in the second half with some of the play calling. That's a part of it, but – I think defensively, yeah. I mean, it, it's been well documented that the Bucks' secondary is banged up. That's a pressure point. Teams are going to keep pushing their finger on. And I think the other thing you're starting to see, too, is more mobile quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, where he can take off and run or extend plays. That's the biggest thing that I think where defenses are at a disadvantage. It's just it's hard to replicate that in practice. It's, it's hard to find someone who's going to be able to do what Jalen Hurts can do or any other quarterback that falls in that category, like Kyler Murray. And so when you see it in live game reps, it's just – it's hard to be able to stop those plays or, you know, the way we used to talk about it when I was in Seattle with Russell Wilson is when that first play breaks down, a new play starts and understanding the scramble rules and understanding that kind of chemistry you have with your quarterback, it's tough for any defense to stop. They're already reactive to begin with. And then you put, you know, in, in a crazy play where guys scrambling around playing backyard football, it's even tougher to stop. But you're going to have probably a record number of quarterbacks rush for at least 500 yards this year. How dangerous is, I mean, I know it's strategy, but 17 games, trying to keep your, not everybody can slide properly. Not everybody gets out of bounds the right way. How concerned would you be that there is this growing trend with these younger quarterbacks, but is that a good thing? Well, I think it's a, it's a good thing if you're a fan of fantasy or offensive football, because I think it just puts more pressure on defenses and it should, uh, it should result in more points being scored. I think where your concern is is long-term. Are we ever going to see you know, a quarterback do what Tom Brady's done that's going to play the game that way? Uh, I would venture to say no. So you, know, you hear guys like Aaron Rodgers who go up and talk to Joe Burrow after the game and say, get down, <laughs> protect yourself. Like the pocket, that, that's your safe haven. Um, and that's where I think it's not that these players can't be successful doing it for a period of time. It's that you almost have to be kind of like, LeBron, where early on his career, you know, he's using his athleticism and how dynamic he is and all those freakish talents. 
And then as he got older, he sort of developed more on the part of his game where now he can play down the post if he needs to. His outside shooting game, his mid-range shot, all those things. It's the same thing as a quarterback who's going to be running a lot early. You just have to develop that ability to use it when you have to, but only as a last resort later in your career because those hits add up on you. But can Lamar Jackson do that, let's say, five years from now when we're assessing Lamar Jackson? Is he still putting pressure on the defenses, rushing for 800, 900,000 yards? Um, I, I don't know that he's going to have to at that point. I mean, I, I think you've already seen him this year start to take off and take that next step as, as a passer, you know, as a pocket passer. And I think a lot's been made about, you know, him as a passer, which we all knew when he came into the league, there was going to be a growth curve. But the other thing you have to like look at is who he's throwing to. I, I think you look at Marquise Brown, for example, or Hollywood Brown, he's continually come on and gotten better too. I think what he's had out around him has, has grown and matured and got better at their craft. So that's played just as big of a part or role in his development as a passer. To answer your question, no, I, I don't think he's going to need to do that at that point in time in his career down the road. Uh, but I think he's still going to scare you with it. You know, he's still going to do it five to six, seven times a game, en- enough to make you have to account for him. Josh Allen, are you comfortable with him running the way he runs? Because he takes on contact. Um, I mean, I'm comfortable now. I, I don't know if I'm comfortable two years from now. You know, and, and watching him hurdle guys, I mean, I thought, I mean, I'd pull my groin at this point in time if I get my legs spread apart too far. So watching him do that, I'm saying it's, it's just, it's not worth the risk. And I think it's hard to teach guys that until they go through an injury. But, I, you know, I go and say that. And then you watch Joe Burrow last week, who scrambles outside the pockets, running downfield, and he ends up, you know, taking a shot or unnecessary hit that he didn't need to take. And he just tore his ACL. So um, I think the hard thing, and not to go back to uh, Lamar, but even talking about Josh Allen is trying to change that mentality in your head, you know, because when you get out there, especially as you're as big as Josh Allen is, or you've been as successful as Lamar Jackson has at making guys miss, you're not thinking about the, any consequences or the downside oh, yeah. risk of it. Yeah. It's only until after the fact you go, Oh, maybe I need to change my game a little bit. And then you have to ask yourself, are they going to be the same player if they take that out of their game? Maybe not. Talking to Brady Quinn, Fox sports college football and NFL studio and game analyst. I don't know what happened. Maybe Jimmy Johnson opened the door this weekend on Fox Sports, the pregame show where he said he would take uh, Justin Herbert over Patrick Mahomes. And then all of a sudden it became a topic of conversation this week on the different shows. I'll put that question to you. Would you take Justin Herbert over Patrick Mahomes right now? I, I wouldn't right now. I, I think Patrick has already been proven in this league. And the, the types of – like I, when I look at the two as passers, okay, not, not throwers, passers, meaning the ability to articulate their arm to make whatever throw they need to or shape a throw to whatever way they need to, I think Patrick is still more talented in that respect. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Justin Herbert has a howitzer for an arm. And his accuracy downfield, especially like 15 yards plus outside the numbers, it might be the best in the league right now. But as far as the touch throws and shaping throws and articulating his arm, he doesn't have that quite as much as Patrick does. And, and so I think you could put Patrick on a bunch of different teams in the NFL, and he could probably survive and be able to spit the football out. I, I think Justin found himself in a really good situation, a staff that's playing to his strengths. Both last year you saw that and this year. Um, their offensive line play doesn't get enough credit. Rashawn Slater is a yeah. stud. Yeah. So there's a lot of those working parts. You know, Mahomes is, is playing for a team right now that's got a defense that's 
giving up, you know, yards per play equivalent to the, the greatest show on turf. I mean, literally, they're giving up 7.1 yards per play. The, the Rams back in the day used to get seven yards per play. So it's like every time the Chiefs walk on the field, they're, they're playing the greatest show on turf. It, it's tough to go up that against that as a quarterback. But I don't know how this became open season on Patrick Mahomes because it feels like that. Like the Chiefs are vulnerable. Um, it, it just feels like, you know, maybe people should realize what Patrick Mahomes has been trying to keep together there because the Chiefs haven't had an impressive defense. It's just that offense kind of overshadows and cleans up all the blemishes here. But when I... And I love Justin Herbert. He's just not at Patrick Mahomes' level right now. And that's not, not, not a yet. knock. Yeah. yeah, it's not a knock on him. I, if I said you can have uh, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, who are you taking? Um, gosh, I mean, I'd probably still take Patrick, but that one's getting okay. closer and closer, being pretty questionable because because Josh does have those traits of being able to throw a little bit sidearm, being able to kind of roll to his left and just kind of twist his upper body to make those throws. And I think he's more effective as a runner. So, uh, you know, that's a tough one because I, I think we've seen Josh um, slowly kind of build to this where right now you'd probably say he's the MVP of the league the way he's played. Or Tom Brady. Or Tom Brady. He said he could Which, play. I mean, he said he can play another 10 years. He said he probably wouldn't. Why, why, why would Brady not? Now he says he you know he wants to spend time with his family and all those things. I understand that. Right. But right, right. Do you think he could play five more six till he's fifty? I I don't know why you think he couldn't. I mean, one of the most impressive things was when you go back and look at that first touchdown pass to Antonio Brown. Just the way he still slides and moves in the pocket, like that's all he needs to do. Yeah. I remember playing for Jim Zorn and him saying to me, "He's like, you don't have to be the fastest or quickest guy in the pocket." You just have to be sudden. And it reminds me of like all those older boxers that they don't have like what they used to have as far as quickness and ability to move, but they just have to be sudden enough to make a guy miss and then deliver the throw. And so he's still got that. I, I think if he still has the O-line and the situation of playmakers around him like he has, yeah, he could play as long as he needs to. And I don't, I don't know, maybe there's something to that TB12 method. Like maybe you need to give more credit to Alex Guerrero and the other people who are involved because – it seems to be working for everyone who works with those guys. Well, maybe you were too muscle bound when you worked out for John Gruden coming out of Notre Dame. I, I remember you telling us the story. This is like five years yeah. ago, but yeah, he thought you were too muscle bound. He was very enamored with my traps at that point, which uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Wait, I'm not sure why. Did you? Did, I mean, he, I, did he verbalize that? Did he say, "Hey, well, yeah"? He, he had a laser pointer. We had a laser pointer, so he was up there, <laughs> and we were going through it. And he was like pointed out, and the weird thing was, is like I obviously see myself without a shirt on often, um, but I never felt more awkward or uncomfortable sitting in that moment while he's like <laughs> using the laser pointer to point out. Wait, you got your, he, wait, he's got a picture of you with your shirt off. It was, it, well, it was from the combine, yeah. you know, so you go up there and your skibbies and you know, they, they take a photo of you, which like Tom Brady's is probably the most famous yeah. like everyone's seen. Yeah. Uh, and the one of me, you know, at that point, you know, I, I obviously worked out hard, you know, I got two parents who have got great genetics. So it, it comes maybe a little easier for me. But he's pointing all this stuff out. He's like, I don't need a guy who looks like this and all this stuff. And then, you know, he showed another quarterback who tended to be a little heavier set. He's like, I don't want this either. And then he showed another quarterback. He's like, I want this guy. This guy looks like I can go out and have a beer with him. And I was just like, 
all right, like, I'm not sure what you want me to say to this. So, I, I mean, you, we want to go grab a beer now or like, look, we're going to go work. Like, what are we doing? So, <laughs> Who were those other two quarterbacks? Um, Jamarcus Russell was the other one um, who obviously, you know, I, I trained with Jamarcus pre-draft and, you know, I'll tell you this much. I mean, he was uber talented. I, I, you know, you look at Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, all the arms, strong arms. I've never seen an arm like his. Like, I remember it was me and him who went the first round. And I, was, I was watching him throw, and I was like, well, good God, he's going to go before me. I, I don't have the ability to throw a ball like that. Yeah. But he was, he, you know, he didn't work out very hard. I mean, I was there often. And trust me, if he would have been there, I would have seen him. And I very rarely ever saw him there in preparation for all of that. Um, but he was the one quarterback, then Charlie Fry was the other quarterback. And didn't, he, uh, he Gruden, picture didn't Gruden draft Charlie Fry? Uh, I can't recall if he, dra- well, I, I don't know. Charlie got drafted to Cleveland, but oh, Bruce okay. Gorkowski, Bruce, so Bruce Gorkowski was on. So this was all like a film, like a, like we were watching like a cut up he had and it opened up with like him showing some cheerleaders or dancing. And so I was like, what the hell is this? And then he had like a cheetah that was like jumping on a gazelle and like tearing it apart. And I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. Still don't know what this has to do with football. <laughs> and then he kind of went through the whole combine photos. And then he started showing some, like, he showed some bad plays of, like, Bruce Gurkowski and, like, you know, what we'd be looking at here and all this stuff. And this is what I need. And then he started going through, like, the college tape. But it was like, he was famous for that. You know, he's famous for the film sessions, all the cut ups. So, but that was back when he was the head coach at Tampa. Like, your head has to be spinning. Like, you're thinking, wait, what am I getting myself? Like, what, what, does he think I'm any good? <laughs> well, I mean, he talks, he talks you up. Like we were out there because then he, he brought in two wide receivers and then I had a wide receiver and running back who were, who were catching for me for that workout. And so he would talk you up and he was with you the whole time doing drills. And he was a ton of fun to work with, but you know, and after he kind of puts your arm around, he's like, oh, I'm going to come up and draft you. We're going to come get you and all this stuff. And <laughs> you don't know, you've never been through it before. So, you know, the cynic in me is like, yeah, okay. Like we'll, we'll see when that day comes. But the other side of me, like, how cool would that be? You get to play for this guy every single day. Um, and obviously, with everything that's come out of late, you know, it's it's sad to see that behind closed doors, that's how he's talked or that's how he was handling things. Um, but, you know, I, I, again, I mean, that whole that whole experience was just, I guess, head spinning is, one of, is the best way to put it. Before I let you go, this Oklahoma situation is, is really interesting with Spencer Rattler, who a lot of people thought Heisman Trophy and – you know, my my point was maybe, for, maybe first overall pick, right? Yeah, and I kept saying, watch him play a game. Don't watch the highlights because he is a highlight. But watch him. He got benched last year, and I, he's not consistent. And you know, you got Lincoln Riley. He can cover up a lot of things. Now you got a situation where if you're Spencer Rattler and you look and you see the future is out there on the field, and it's not you, what do you do if you're Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma? It's such a tough decision. Because if he feels like he's not going to be the guy, and there's still so much football left to be played. Like, I think the biggest mistake he could make right now is making an irrational decision and deciding to transfer right away. Like, we've already seen that in certain cases. Like, we've already seen guys who have done that this season. Um, and I think that's a bad look because, one, you don't know if Caleb Williams is athletic as he is. If he gets injured, yeah. your team needs you. You're right back in there. So that's, that's the first thing. The next thing is, is you know, he's draft eligible. Like, does he look at this quarterback class and go, I'm going to prove to people that like, yeah, I haven't played my best necessarily. or I'm not at my best, but they can draft me and they can help me get there. 
because he is talented. I mean, no one's going to deny his arm strength, ability to throw off platform, all those things. But he needs a lot of experience and more work. Um, he could look at other situations that are out there right now. You know, he might be looking at a place like Georgia and say, I'd like to go in there behind that offensive line with those playmakers, you know, not have to worry about winning a shootout with that defense and go play there or go play anywhere else and try to transfer, right? That's always a part of it. My concern is that the parents direct, because at this age, like even though you're a young man and you have your desires and goals and what you want to do, the parents sometimes start to lean in on that too. And they start to shape it. And that can be good and bad. And so, look, I don't know his personal situation with his family, but that, that also is a factor in all of this. And that's where I wonder, you know, if, if the parents, especially just having coached high school kids now, knowing how overbearing they can be, if they start weighing in on that, you know, hey, let's get somewhere else right now. Let's go somewhere else. Let's move on. This isn't a good place for you. Um, that's the hard thing. Because for the young man, he's always identified himself as a quarterback. And when that's taken away from you, you get to put on the bench, it, it shocks you. I mean, it really wrecks your entire world. And so you could be in a tough headspace and you can let anyone talk you into anything at that point in time. Um, so hopefully he can let his emotions pass and, and they can get some, kind of some more clarity of what their plan is moving forward, depending on how the season goes. Have a great weekend. Tell the guys we said hello and uh, have fun. Thank you, Brady. We'll talk to you we'll next do. week. Thank you. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's bring in uh, Harold Reynolds, who's uh, joining us, Major League Baseball Network analyst. Game one of the ALCS, Red Sox and Astros, begins tonight on Fox. You can watch Harold before and after every game on MLB Networks, MLB Tonight. All right, let's start with the check swing. Give me what is the ruling on the check swing, and what did you think about the call? Well, I didn't think it was a good call. I think he missed it. Um, the ruling, though, is that's non-reviewable. And we've come across a few plays in baseball where they don't get reviewed, which I think at this point in time, review should be for everything out there because you don't have conversations like this. And so uh, I know they continue to grow and change. We'll see if that happens with this. But how do you review it? Is it the umpires review it? Or do I have to have a challenge flag to do this? Is there an eye in the sky that helps these umpires and says, you guys need to check this? A home office like you have with the NFL? Well, most reviews are come out in New York anyway. Right. Um, in pace of the game, you may have to have somebody designated at the stadium. You can't take three minutes in the middle of an at-bat to call, put your headset on. Okay, he didn't go. And now your pitcher's iced, the hitter. It's different than any other sport. So you got to keep it moving. And one of the things they've done, Dan, real quick with replay is, you know, managers got 20 seconds to challenge something yeah. on the field. And then they got to, then they can start the process. But I think we got to make it more like real time. Not, oh, I saw something. Now I review it. Uh, that's not right either. The Dodgers advanced because? Depth. I mean, we saw it all. Who can go get Max Scherzer? Who can take a 20-game winner and say, ah, you know what? We're going to start with an opener. I mean, the depth of this team is so deep. So I think that's why they will continue to, to go through. Now seven games really shows the depth of this club. Mookie Betts, once again, like Mookie Betts, sometimes you forget. And then Mookie Betts taps you on the shoulder and says, don't forget. Like, how good is Mookie Betts? He's one of the greats of all time. I mean... 
he does something every game. The other night, he made the spin around throw and said, oh, my, that's Roberto Clemente. You know, last night he gets four hits. Um, I really think him playing in Boston and that pressure cooker as a young player helped him slow the game down and understand the moments. Watching him do pregame interviews yesterday, he acted as if it was a regular season game. That only comes with experience. But I go back to the Red Sox when they got rid of him. Did they yeah. make the right move? I mean, here they are in the ALCS. They saved a lot of money. Was it the right move for the Red Sox? Well, I think the Red Sox kind of wanted to save him and lock him up. I mean, they offered him a pretty good deal. Yeah. But I think Mookie really wanted to go. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, as we look back now, what, three years removed? That was more Mookie's decision than the Red Sox. I think he wanted to go somewhere else. Scherzer coming out of the bullpen. Like, I don't think he came charging out of the bullpen. He, it was like, you know, the, the running of the bulls in Pamplona. I mean, it, it was, he wanted to get on that mound. It, it was almost like he was being timed. Like, hey, if you don't get there in 15 seconds, then you don't get to pitch. But, man, I, I love watching him pitch. Uh, it, 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 it's so great in our sport to see a guy go, I want the ball. Yeah. You know, in football, it's different basketball because you, you have to go to the go-to guy. And in baseball, you know, he's going on two days rest. We, we have regiments. We have schedules. He came ready to play. And I just love him. I got to tell you this quick story, Dan. I was shooting this thing with him three years ago for Nike. It was a whole new Nike ad. They were coming out with new equipment. And so I spent time with, with Trout, Springer, Baez, and Scherzer. Went to each spring training camp. So Max is in full gear. They're breaking up the new Nike uniform. It's not out yet. So he's got to throw a bullpen that day. And we're like, hey, can we film you live? No problem. So we watch his bullpen. He's got a simulated game. He's going to throw a two-inning simulated game. He has full uni on. You'll love this, Dan. He throws... 16, 20 pitches, and now he's getting ready to go play the simulated game. He stops after the 15th pitch, takes his hat off, and is standing there singing the anthem. <laughs> in this game set. So I'm, I'm like, well, shoot, I guess I'm going to take my hat off and stand here too. And he's singing through the anthem. He, the pitching coach, and the catcher, they all stop. And as soon as they finish the full, complete anthem, he put his hat back on, grabbed the rosin, got the ball through five more pitches and sprinted to the mound. I went, this guy's nuts. <laughs> he's a gamer. But he's got 197 wins, including the postseason. But a Hall of Famer, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. First ballot. I, I think also, Dan, we got to start looking Hall of Fame different with this generation. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you that. Game is flipped. It's totally flipped in the last 10 years and particularly the last five years, we may never see a guy throw 200 innings in a season. I mean, how are we going to gauge 300 wins? So um, it is totally different now. we got to start looking at how we're going to look at guys for Hall of Fame. i throw this to you real quick. And think about this, you and McLovin and all the guys there. This may be the best contract in sports history for baseball for sure. The contract he had with Washington, he fulfilled it. Pitched every start. Won a World Series, All-Star, two Cy Youngs in there. Pretty impressive. Well, I also wonder about uh, Jacob deGrom. He might go into the Hall of Fame as a 500 pitcher. I know, man. 
Look, it's gone. When Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young, I think in Seattle one year, it's 13 and 12. And they went, well, but look at this whip and look at all these other numbers. <laughs> uh, it was it was over. Game over. Like DeGrom was 10 and 9. And, and, and they were trying to give him the MVP, let <laughs> alone Cy Young. Time out. Uh, we're talking to Harold Reynolds of uh, Major League Baseball Network. Um, Altuve is still raking, man. I, I, I know it's hard to leave 2017 in the rearview mirror here. I don't know. Can you leave 2017 in the rearview mirror when you talk about today's Astros? No, you can't. Uh, the core of that club is still there. And, and even if you weren't on that team, you were now banging on a garbage can. I mean, that's just the way you're going to be viewed. And, and I wouldn't even bring it up if the players weren't answering that question themselves. They know it. That's just going to be with them forever. Uh, I, do, I do remember back then when it first broke in like 19 or whatever, that Altuve was the one player that everybody was saying he didn't want signs. And I, I get that. I play with a number of players who never wanted signs. Uh, they wanted they would give signs, but they didn't want to know what might be coming in case you messed up giving it to them. So when you're at second base and you're signaling in, whether it's location or – well, it's probably location that you're signaling in, aren't you? Sometimes both, depending on if you can pick up uh, the pitcher's signs and everything else. So, yeah. But I, I, located, I located and recognized both. I sent both in. Okay. Who did you take advantage of, pitcher-wise? Ooh. Um, I don't know about pitcher. It's more catchers that would get lazy. Okay. Who did you take advantage of? They go through one round, and then they would throw just a simple one down. Like Pudge Rodriguez was a guy who used to do that. He'd just go through the signs and get frustrated and go, all right, fastball. <laughs> you know, and go like, okay, fastball in, you know. <laughs> but what would you do in real time? So you're at second base. You're leading off second base. Yeah. And what's the signal? So, so real time, I would go to my helmet. I'd walk back to the base, step on the base, go to my helmet like this, like I'm adjusting it. And that let the hitter know I have the signs. So – being the leadoff guy, I would try to get there and see sequences. And if you were, I was able to figure it out, I may talk to somebody else who got there. By the fourth or fifth inning, if that same pitcher's out there and catcher, we had their signs. And so guys came up with a lot of different creative things. When I was with Seattle and Mark Langston was pitching, his signs were so complicated, I still don't know how the other infielders even knew. I, a lot of times I didn't know. But what he did was – he played what he called the scoreboard sign. One and one, two, two, oh, oh, any even count was first sign. So, oh, oh, first sign. So, let's say he throws a strike. Now he's one, he's oh and one. It would be the third sign. And then if it was one and oh, it'd be the same. So, odd number. Then he goes back two, one, oh, one, two. <laughs> you want a different second sign. So, it was a trip. You had to really follow along. Did you ever give Ken Griffey Jr. a sign from second base? No, Ken Griffey Jr., man, he should have been the big leagues at 16. He didn't need no signs. Uh, are, we, are we destined for Astros-Dodgers? I sure hope so. I mean, I want to see Alex Cora face Joe Kelly, hit a ball, and blow him a kiss. I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this. And I think the fans want it. You know, in L.A., they've been, they've been wanting this matchup. I think it will be great for the sport. Always great to catch up with you. Thanks as always, HR. All right, my friend. Take care, DP.
Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts ross tucker host of the ross tucker football podcast works for cbs westwood one as a color analyst joining us uh, great to see you again ross zach Ertz just got traded from the eagles to the cardinals can zach Ertz play this sunday when the cardinals play the browns no he's not he can't dan uh but that would be funny if he could uh no the nflpa you're only allowed to play one game per week. So he'll be on the sideline watching his new team play. Um, I will say this though, Dan, back in 2002, I got two bye weeks, which was nice. <laughs> I was in Washington, had an early bye, got cut by Spurrier, went to Dallas, got another bye. I mean, Dan, I was almost bad enough that if I had kept getting cut by teams, <laughs> I might've been able to get five or six buys in that week, that year. Do you have a favorite Steve Spurrier story? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so probably my favorite is that if there was even a threat of rain, I got two. If there was even a threat of rain, he would cancel practice because Washington did not have an indoor facility. So this is back when Marvin Lewis was the first million-dollar coordinator that Washington brought in. So it would drizzle, and Spurrier would cancel practice, and Marvin Lewis would be like, no, no, coach, <laughs> we got to go. We got to practice. The other one is, Dan, I, I swear to you, as God is my witness, he had no sight adjustments or hot reads in his offense. Explain so that. The quarter, what, yeah, so what's that? Explain that. Yeah, so a hot read or a sight adjustment is when the defense blitzes more guys than you have to protect, and so the quarterback has to throw the ball. He has to throw it, and the receiver has to see it because the receiver has to know, oh, man, this guy's coming. He's going to throw the ball to me right away. Spurrier didn't have those. Spurrier expected the quarterback to audible. So in Patrick Ramsey's first start, he was a first-round pick from Tulane. We're playing the Saints at home. The Saints, Dan, look like they're bringing a blitz from the right. And Ramsey's going through his cadence, and Spurrier says, Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. <laughs> and, and Ramsey looks over, and he says, Ringo slide, Ringo slide, because it looked like the Saints were coming from the right. And Ramsey is a rookie from Tulane. He looks like, okay, okay, coach, okay. Ringo slide, Ringo slide. As soon as he does that, the Saints rotate the safeties, <laughs> and they look like they're coming from the left, and Spurrier goes, Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. <laughs> Ramsey looks over. Blue slide, blue slide. Ramsey goes, okay, okay. <laughs> Delay a game. Delay a game. 
<laughs> Dan, I was sitting there thinking, this is the NFL, dude. This is the NFL. And the head coach is screaming audibles to the rookie quarterback to make them. And we just ran out of time. I, I knew it was going to be we were being in trouble after that. <laughs> uh, you were on the call with uh, last night's game with the Eagles and uh, the Buccaneers. Let me start with uh, Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen Hurts the uh, answer long term? Don't know yet. Um, I do know that he is competing every week with all of the other available options. As it stands right now, because the Eagles have the Dolphins' first-round pick, because of that horrible trade by the Dolphins this offseason to move up from 12 to 6 and give up next year's first-round pick, and very likely to get the Colts' first-round pick as long as Wentz plays 75%, Right now, the Eagles have three picks in the top eight, I believe, Dan. Certainly top ten. And a lot of people think veterans like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, maybe even Aaron Rodgers are all going to be available, which is to say Jalen Hurts is essentially competing against all of the other options that will be available to the Eagles after this season because of their, their draft capital. Explain Brady doing it again. Now, granted, it's against the Eagles. He did have two touchdowns, did throw an interception. Was there anything of interest with you with Brady last night? Um, I mean, he didn't throw a single bad pass in the first half. There was two incompletions. One, Cam Brate dropped. The other one, Antonio Brown got pushed out. You know, I was just about to tweet last night, Dan, at halftime, at Ross Tucker NFL, the guy is a robot. But then he actually had a couple bad throws yeah. in the second half. I don't know what happened to him, but he had a couple throws. You know, you know why some people never give him the credit, Dan? It's because he doesn't do the spectacular like Rodgers or Mahomes or Josh Allen. And what he does, Brady's greatness is – consistently doing the routine over and over and over and over again. And that's not on the highlights. It it never makes Brady never makes people go. Wow. When they're watching him play the wow is that he's just good every single time. He's the NFL's version of Tim Duncan. Yes. Yes. That's a great, that's a great comparison. It's like, we and you're you're to blame for this, by the way, Dan. We live in a we live in a highlight society. We live in a society that all anybody cares about is what's on Sports Center or now what's on the internet. You started that with the awesome show at the Mothership, the Four Letter Network. But with every passing year, we care less about consistent performance and more about highlights and the special and the stuff we that wows us and nothing that Brady does wows us other than the success. I'm also wondering what, what happened here? What did I miss where it's open season on Patrick Mahomes? And now all of a sudden, you know, people are go, I'd take Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes. I'd take Justin Herbert over Patrick Mahomes. What, what happened here? Um, our attention spans are about 10 minutes and he had a couple games where he had turnovers. I mean, He's still unbelievable, and the Chiefs' defense is the worst in the NFL. 
I heard you yesterday or one of these days I was listening and I, I heard you pump the brakes on having anybody better than Mahomes. And I'm with you. Like Josh Allen's been great this year. Herbert's been great this year. I'm still taking Mahomes over anybody for the next 10 years. That guy is ridiculous. And a couple of turnovers and a terrible defense that doesn't change that. Yeah, they're suddenly vulnerable. But And I love Herbert and Josh Allen. I need to see a little bit more from them because we have seen more from Patrick Mahomes. I just think we, we're doing a disservice to Patrick Mahomes. They've never had a great defense. They've, they've had a capable defense, maybe an opportunistic defense. Now they have a horrible defense. And I couldn't help but look back to, you know, uh, Edwards Hilaire, that they took him at the end of the first round instead of taking a defensive player. Um, you know, we, we get into those grades. Hey, this guy's the highest graded guy still on our boards. I, I got to go for need. I got to go for what, what's smart here. And, you know, the, the, the Cowboys got, you know, Trayvon Diggs in the second round. Like, you know, granted, they got Michael Parsons in the first round, but the difference between the Cowboys and the Chiefs is the Cowboys have a defense. They have a couple of players who can play defense right now. And I think he'll never say this publicly. I think it affects how Mahomes plays. Sure. I think Mahomes is more aggressive because he knows the defense stinks. You know, the other thing is, Dan, we all love the new thing, right? So we all love Herbert now. Herbert's kind of the new thing. So we always are looking for next. And Mahomes is also a product of the expectations. You know, he's just set the bar so high that if he doesn't, always meet it every week it's like oh he's not playing as well whereas Allen and Herbert are still in the position to be able to exceed our expectations always great to talk to you Ross will be uh, on the call Yale and UConn tomorrow that's uh, on CBS Sports Network the nutmeg state battle wow you throw out the records when those two get together listen the nutmeg Nutmeg State. This this is for bragging rights in the Nutmeg State for decades. Tomorrow at noon, CBS Sports Network. Thank you, Ross. That's Ross Tucker. See ya.